0: To have the name David and to be in the service this morning. Now I'm really looking forward to our new series today, uh, which um, might be in the contest for the shortest series title of all time, uh, simply called If, Uh, and um, uh, it's a a powerful uh, word in the Bible, believe it or not. You may not recognise that or accept that, but if... Uh, is certainly uh, a fantastic thing when it comes to God's work in our lives. If is such a small word, but in the Bible, uh, it packs a big punch. If shows up in some unexpected places, but when it does, it releases the power of God into our circumstances, often turning them upside down. In the Bible, if shows the pathway to freedom, to victory, to salvation and to love. Now who doesn't need a bit more of each of those in their life? Freedom, victory, salvation and love. If reveals what happens when God acts on our behalf and when we place our trust in God. So if reveals what happens when God acts on our behalf and when we place our trust in God. Imagine what life could be like if only we understood the awesome implications of God's promises to us in the Bible, which are released into our experience by one tiny word, if. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at, uh, I guess, what you might call the four or four key appearances in the scriptures uh, of the word if, and uh, they all are found in the New Testament. They all relate or were either said by Jesus or relate to Jesus. Uh, and I really want to make sure that all of us uh, through this series capture the picture of the fact that, that we are not powerless in life, that, that we have available to us through the word if the power of God in our lives. And this relates to all of our situations and circumstances, not just to what we might call spiritual, uh, but in all aspects. So before I get into where we're going to do today, I want to tell a story first. Uh, and uh, I'm not ex- exactly sure where it comes from, but uh, it could be told by any of us parents, really. Uh, but it says a lot about human nature. And it goes like this. When my oldest son was about three years old, I was outside doing Some yard work one afternoon. I took my son Joshua outside to play while I trimmed the hedges. Holding his hand, I knelt down beside him so that we could look at each other face to face. Slowly and carefully, I said, Now, Josh, you can play here in our front yard. You can go next door and play in your friend's front yard. You can Ride your bike up and down the driveway. You can go in the backyard and play with the dog or play on your swing. You can go back inside and watch television or you can stay here and watch me trim the hedges. Not a bad selection. These are all the things that you have my permission to do but you cannot go out into the street. It's very dangerous there. You cannot play in the street. Do you understand what I'm saying? The father asked. And three-year-old Joshua nodded his head and said, Yes, Daddy. And then I let go of his hand and he ran straight to the curb and put one foot in the street and then turned his head toward me and smiled as if to say, Foolish, mortal. Why is the question that I want us to address right now? Why, after understanding all the freedoms that his father had allowed him, would he deliberately go out to the one place where his dad had told him not to go? And if you have the answer to that question, parents, and in fact anyone who happens to be a human, you may be able to solve a thing that we might call the human condition. But there is a solution, and I'm going to be talking about it today. The reason that the young boy did it is because of the nature of the humanity that we possess. Some might call it the sin condition or the, the nature of the flesh, but it is a problem and a temptation that all of us face, but God has actually dealt with it, and that's where we're going to end up today. Um. We tend to want to be free to do things our way. We want to be free to live by our rules. We want to be free to make our own decisions about pretty much everything, but sometimes and often about what is right and what is wrong. And the reality is that the rejection of doing what we are told by others and indeed God, our heavenly father, lies at the very heart of our conflict with God. God created people, made people, and he loves us. We've sung this morning that beautiful, simple song, You're a Good, Good Father. And, you know, it all, when you sing that, you probably think, you know, I could have written that. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's pretty simple stuff. You're a good, good father. Uh, you love us. I love you. I mean, you know, that we could have whipped that up around a coffee after church uh, and became famous. But uh, it's actually just that simple declaration that actually releases, it, it, it releases something over us. Because um, often our flesh or the way that we're born or just something within us doesn't want to make that statement. It sort of wants to say, yeah, but, and the, the preferences for our own wisdom for our own goodness, for our own ability to uh, do life on our own and and into declaring God good and wise and that, we're sort of not sure if we actually want to go there. So when we sing that each morning and when we declare that, uh, it's really important that we understand that it's actually quite profound what we're saying. It's good for you to say that. It's good for you to know that it's good for you to believe that because in our world and in our nature, the temptation is not to accept that. You might have had things occur to you this week that have caused you to doubt that. Uh, They might go back further than that, that you're still wrestling with that, that they've left a print on you and that your journey is to stand in the place where you can make that declaration and really believe it, really receive it, really let it wash over you. Just that simple statement, you're a good, good father. Because that proclamation by you in your life and your acceptance of it, I'm telling you folks, is revolutionary. Your life turns on your acceptance of that statement. It changes everything about the way that you live and breathe and move through your circumstances, accepting that and believing it. God once told uh, his uh, people uh, a verse which um, uh, Judy claims as her life verse. Have you still only got one life verse, Jude? This, Just this one? There's a question without notice. She doesn't like that, sorry. Um, uh, but we've got a little plaque of it. It sits... Uh, um, in our uh, in our windowsill in the kitchen, and uh, it's a it's a profound statement where God says to His people, "I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future." Now, there's another scripture. Oh, there's quite a few of them. Probably the whole Bible. that You ought to try and hang on to, because God is speaking over you human, that that he he has a plan, he's not without a clue, that he has things for you to do, he, he's made you a certain way, uh, he, he, he is watching over you and has laid out before you a pathway and just like that father and his son, he's gone down a list where where he says step into this space, uh, you are free to enjoy all of these things. But we are drawn sometimes away from that into a space where, well, you know, I'd just rather find out myself or do my own thing or stick over here. But God's stepping us and he wants to lead us and direct our steps and he wants to bless us. God has so much in store for his children, yet people too often look at the heavenly father knowing all that he promises and blesses us with, yet all they see are restrictions that God wants us to avoid. Restrictions that are meant for our good or uh, to keep us from self-inflicted harm. We often look beyond the freedom and the promises God offers us and all we can see are the boundaries that exist out there. But boundaries are indeed good for us. They help us to receive God's best and we need to let go and trust God that it is so. To let God have authority to have lordship over our lives. You might put it this way, folks, we're all invited to let God be God and us to be human, to be people. But so often we want to reverse that process. We, we want to say, actually, I think I can do a good job at the God thing. You know, I can write songs and I can be God. Uh, and I'll do the people thing too. And, and we want to take over the whole box and dice and, and uh, you know, run the whole show. You've heard of the difference between dog theology and cat theology? Anyone heard that expression before? A dog says, uh, you feed me, you care for me, you love me, uh, you must be God. And a cat says, you feed me, you care for me, you love me, I must be God. All right. So you've got to get your theology right. You need. We need a dog view of the world, okay? Not a cat view of the world, where because of the way and the thing that God does, uh, it's not about us, but it's about Him. So you should actually find it a relief, where God is saying, "Don't try to be me anymore." you are now set free from the awful responsibility and desire to be the God of your life. You can't do it. You're not very good at it. You be my child. You be my human, and I'll be your God. That's a promise that God made way back in Exodus. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And when God takes that position in your life, oh, the relief. Oh, the peace of having a God who's a good, good Father who cares. So, don't put it off any longer. And brothers and sisters who've made this decision, don't grab back the reins. <laughs> Just let it go. Just let it go, and let God be God. So uh, that brings us now to our first uh, if promise, and uh, we're going to have a look at that now, and. Uh, Quick quiz, who said the truth shall set you free? Anita, I think you were first. Jesus, not Jim Carrey, not Jack Nicholson, or not any other actor that you might care to name who's appeared in a movie or a TV show and has said the truth shall set you free. And you thought to yourself, you know, that sounds really clever and funny, and I think I've heard it somewhere before, but they seem to say it a lot around the place and whatever. Next time you hear that saying, the truth shall set you free, say, congratulations, I didn't know you were into quoting Jesus, and are you a follower of his, and that is fantastic. Or if you're at the movies, uh, like Jude and I were last night, stand up and say, "Uh, Jesus said that. It's in the Bible, in fact. And then say, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father of me. Well, okay, maybe don't. But, you know, (laughs) see if you can find someone afterwards and say, Do you know who he was quoting when he said that? It was really interesting where uh, I I watched a QA. I don't watch it a lot because it it causes me stress. But Tanya Plibersek, uh, she's got some leadership position in the federal opposition and they were, somehow the church came up or the Bible or Jesus or Christianity and she said, uh, she basically said, you know, I, I went to church when I was young and, and I don't do that anymore and, and then she said, but you know, I believe that you should love your neighbour as you love yourself and, and don't judge others, uh, you know, so you won't be judged and I'm thinking... Okay, so you've done the church thing, but you're still living your life by the precepts that came out of Jesus' mouth. Well, that, I mean, that's a good start. <laughs> but it's sort of like, you know, we'll get rid of all of that, but I've still got these things that now I've separated out of the mouth of Jesus, but they still, you know, sort of work for me. And it's just like saying, well, you know, shoot the messenger, keep the message. Well, how does that work? So... Uh, Yeah, the the great discussions about truth. Um, I found a clip of Jim Carrey in a movie called Liar, Liar, where he's in the courtroom and he says, the truth shall set you free. And it was quite funny. I can't really use the rest of it because it was a bit off. Uh, Some of the other things he said, just like a normal Jim Carrey movie. But there he was, quoting Jesus in this movie, and probably no one realised. Yeah, it was him. Jesus, in a conversation... With uh, some Jews who who had believed him, it's an interesting expression. He said, "If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth. And the truth shall set you free." And every time you see the word "free" or "freedom" in the Bible, start to pay attention because it's it's a golden promise. It's a golden promise when freedom is starting to be talked about. Now, there's a few things before we get to the truth shall set you free, before we have our Jack Nicholson moment when we say, you can't handle the truth. Well, folks, can you handle it or can't you handle it? Because Jesus seems to be saying we can. Jesus seems to be saying that if you abide in my word, which basically means stick close to it, keep near it, Just keep reading it, you know, run with it, do what it says, quote it to each other, stand up in the movies and say, I'm quoting Jesus, (laughs) whatever it is. If you stick with my word, then you are my disciples. A disciple sticks with what I say, says Jesus. All right? But then you will know the truth. So in that process of hanging out near it, if you like, there becomes a revelation starts to occur, a revealing starts to happen. We get to the stage where we can say, I know the truth. Wow, that's a bold statement. In a world full of confusion and full of claims on this person's behalf or about this thing, Jesus said, sticking close to me, sticking close to my word, starts to reveal to you who the truth is and what the truth is, and you will know it. And guess what? When you get into that space, the truth shall set you free. I receive it in Jesus' name. Who wants to be imprisoned? Who wants to be bound? Who wants to be powerless? None of us want that. But before we get to the stage of the truth setting us free... We need to abide in Jesus' word. Folks, you might get a little bit of Jesus when you watch a Jim Carrey movie. It's going to be quick. You'll have to stay in it. But I know a place where you'll get a little bit more of it, and it's called the Bible. Now, as you know, uh, we have a a Life Journal reading plan. There's a million ways to read the scriptures, but I encourage you to do it, (laughs) and I encourage you to do it regularly, uh, and... Really, uh, it needs to be almost systematic because we need to get as much of it on the inside as we can. But the reason we do it, there's a couple of reasons. One is just a reminding process. But as you read this, I'm telling you by the power of God's Holy Spirit, something happens inside of you. And it's happened to me so often, even this week as I'm reading through. I mean, let's face it, we're reading Micah. Anyone heard of Micah, uh, Zephaniah, Habakkuk? I mean, if you if you call your kid that these days, you really you should. I bet not. Is there anyone who knows anyone called Habakkuk? Come and I'll, I'll say sorry afterwards. But you should be fine these days. But anyway, Habakkuk, what is that? Habakkuk, what is that? Well, anyway, it's a prophet speaking truth about God's interaction with His people. Now it needs to be read in the light of Jesus and the New Testament, but I just sense God renewing my thinking and often setting me free from things that are starting to bind me, ways of living that are starting to restrict me, that God desperately needs to get into my heart and my life and and free me in some way from thinking and acting and living and behaving that's going to cause me harm, that's going to do me no good, that's going to in some way imprison me into a life that he has not planned for me or wants me to live. So uh, Jesus invites us to step into the space of knowing his word, of abiding in his word, of, of remaining in it, doing it, becoming his disciple, discovering the truth and then experiencing the wonderful process of being set free. And I really felt, I know I preached on a similar topic a few weeks ago and I came back from Hillsong. While I was at Hillsong, I really sensed God say to me, speak freedom over the people of the Hills Christian Family Centre. Remind them of their freedom in Christ. Encourage them not to be enslaved in any way. And for those that haven't said yes to freeing Jesus, don't put it off any longer. But experience his release. Now, Jesus got a very interesting response when uh, he laid this on the people. Uh, the truth will set you free. And we know that uh, later in John's Gospel, uh, John 14, chapter, verse 6, Jesus said he was the truth. But those that he were uh, preaching, they didn't like this being set free thing. And they started to think differently. And, and they wanted to say, well, uh, you know... <laughs> we're we're Jews, we are God's original people and we've never been slaves to anyone. Uh, To be a slave in their eyes uh, was, you know, offensive and and they they didn't like the suggestion that they weren't free. Uh, Jesus then said to them, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever so in the first instance he's talking about his sonship and then he goes on to say the other bookend statement to the one we just read so if the Sun sets you free you will be free indeed people can are happy to quote the truth shall set you free but you won't hear as many people say if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed and Jesus wants to Help us to understand that really, when he says, "If anyone, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, the Bible also tells us that everyone has sinned. <laughs> We're all slaves in this world to sin without Jesus Christ. And we might be thinking, you know, I've got my life organised, I've got it down pat, I'm on top of this you know, I don't need no Jesus, I don't need no release, I don't need no freedom, I'm on top of my things. But Jesus is speaking to you today and saying, you're a slave because you sinned and I'm here to set you free from that slavehood. So I want you to resonate with that today and I really want people to start to get a thirst for that freedom and Look, if I had to say, what's the point of preaching this message? Because I know many of you have heard these scriptures many times and and many of you believe this and agree with it. So why would I repeat it and preach it to you today? I, I, I would do it for the same reason that I want you to read your scriptures regularly is because we all have a tendency to regress. We have a tendency to retreat back into uh, prison. We're like the uh, you know the the prisoner that receives a pardon and then says, "Well, I don't know what's out there, but I know in here what happens." It's very restricting, but you know I'm, I'll just stay in my prison because you know I understand that. And sometimes we need to be given a picture of what it looks like to be on the outside, if you like, with Jesus. Because we tend to regress and we tend to do things sometimes which start to allow the slavery of sin to encroach on us. So I want everyone here this morning, even as I'm preaching, to start to address thoughts or behaviors or attitudes. Whatever God is going to show you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, that in some way is binding you, and is preventing you being the person that God has called you to be. I, I want you to think about it now. I want you to think about it for the rest of the sermon. We're going to have a time of prayer in a minute, and I want you to address that. That's why I would preach it to you, and I would say, and I'm willing to stand up here that I'm a I'm a victim of this as much as anyone, and. I often sometimes, you know, I'll pick up the scripture and, and I'll read it and I'll think, man, this is addressing, you know, thinking that has gone awry in my head. Uh, this, this is speaking to attitudes or, or actions that, that are not liberating, that are not of a follower of Jesus Christ, that aren't abiding in the truth. I needed to read this today. <laughs> Hannah cook. I need you. Zephaniah, speak. Uh, uh, Micah, help me. Because I was was starting to regress into slavery. So I want everyone to experience that freedom here today. Jesus uh, goes on to explain uh, and says again that, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has, ah, we just read that. I went backwards. It was going well until then. All right, let's do Romans instead. Paul also addresses this, and he picks up exactly where Jesus left off when he says, "Don't you know that if you present yourselves as anyone, to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin which leads to death or of obedience to God which leads to righteousness." But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have now become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you are entrusted, that is, the word of Jesus Christ, abiding in him, and that you, having been set free from sin, have been free to do whatever you like. Sorry, that was the David Bland personal translation. (laughs) What does that one say? Have become slaves of righteousness. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I thought we got rid of the slave thing, but now we're slaves to righteousness. What does that mean? Friends, there's this idea that sometimes, okay, Jesus deals with the sin, Jesus gets rid of that, and, you know, that He's freed me to live my happy, nice life in my Western democracy, in my little suburbia where I make my decisions and I do what I want. I'm free of the sin thing, but now I'm free to be me. (laughs) But it's it's just, it's not going to work. You see, we're human and we're made to serve, to glorify, to honour the one that gave us life, not to be imprisoned in sin, but instead, to be serving and glorifying Him. Now, I'm going to say a little bit now about what this slavery looks like, because uh, it sounds a bit—it doesn't sound very attractive. But it's 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 actually quite amazing the way that God binds Himself to us as as our Master. Now, it's probably a good time to say a little bit about human free will. So, some people have got this. Concept of human free will, you hear that term and some would argue that it doesn't actually exist. Let me explain. Some people think, okay, he's human with his free will and he's free to choose either serving God or doing his own thing and we start to entertain the idea, well, oh, I'm a bit tired of the God thing. I'm going to try my own thing over here. I might come back now, but I'm oh, going okay, have a go at this again. There, you know, and it's sort of like we just think we can. We're just hovering, God's will, free will. I am free. I might choose God today. I might not. And this idea that we're just little autonomous things that just choose, 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 and I might choose God or I might not. But what the Scriptures are saying to us, what the Apostles are saying to us, friends. You will serve one or the other and your free will that you think you have to either choose this or that, it doesn't exist. The only freedom that exists for a human being is in Jesus because everything else is slavery to sin. So uh, the idea that, well, I think I'd rather be free over here without Jesus, that don't exist It doesn't happen. You are living a life for yourself and of yourself, and that is the sum total of your existence, and you will never be free until you say yes to Jesus and accept him and believe him. Then, and this is going to sound a little bit strange, you move into a different type of slavery. (laughs) Now, let me explain what that looks like. Often when we hear the word slavery in the modern times, we think, uh, we think uh, you know, post, pre-Civil War America, people being abducted, uh, awful treatment and so on and so forth. And look, let's face it, there are many aspects of slavery that are true. But in the era that this was written, slavery was a different prospect. I'm not going to say it was a bit of roses, but... Um, there was a sense, and those of you as students of the Old Testament would know, that at times it was an option for a person to go to someone that they owed money to or, or if they were in need of money and say, I will be your slave to settle this debt or uh, to deal with this issue. And there were then conditions about how that unfolded. And once the debt was paid, uh, they were then free to not be a slave anymore, but they also had the option of remaining the slave to that person if they liked it. And some of us, when we hear that, think, why would you do that? But the fact is that the master took responsibility for that person in their entirety, responsible for their welfare, responsible for their provisions, responsible for their... Like, that person became... Uh, the responsibility of the master in a profound way. So when we say that we are slaves to righteousness or slaves to Jesus or whatever, we're actually saying that God has bound himself to us and we have bound ourselves to him in a way that is inseparable and where God starts taking, if you like, responsibility for you in a way that you've never experienced. And that includes the whole gamut of things. So as we move into that space, what it means is total submission. And I'm challenging everyone today who says that they're a servant of Jesus Christ to reflect on your level of submission here today. I'm challenging you to do that. I'm challenging you to do that. But I'm not telling you to do it in a vacuum because I'm telling you that as we completely submit and surrender... God then binds himself to us as our master in a way that is something that is so profound that we cannot experience it without Jesus. And he takes responsibility for us in a way that really is breathtaking when it comes to who we are and to what we do in our life. So that's what I'm inviting you to do today. In a few moments' time, we're going to watch a video about some people uh, who experienced freedom from slavery. Uh, And Galatians reminds us that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The call is for us to not submit to the slavery of sin, but instead to experience the freedom that is Jesus Christ. Just as we prepare to wrap up our message today, I'm going to invite you now to look to the screen and to watch a video that I found during the week that I just thought would be great to share today and to prepare us for a time of ministry together. And it's a really great illustration of people uh, who uh, are in some way enslaved, but then through God's help, See themselves differently. See themselves as being free. So I'm going to ask the team to play that for us now and then we're going to wrap up. Born with, I want the new photo that Jesus has taken of me as free in his presence to be the person that he made me to be. What about you? Who do you want to be? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you that you have indeed spoken truth over us today. And the amazing promise that you've given us is that the truth of Jesus shall set us free. That if the Son sets us free, we will be free indeed. So Lord, as we stand here today... In your presence, we ask for your forgiveness and your mercy and we ask for your freedom. Lord, we accept that we are going to have to serve somebody, but by the grace that you give us and the power that you place inside of us, we say together, we want to serve you. We want to be your servants And not the slaves of sin. We don't want to be trapped in addiction or greed or lust or envy or jealousy or gossip. None of those things which are of the flesh do we want to be part of, Lord. But instead, we want your word to abide in us and we to abide in it. We want to do what your word says and experience the freedom that comes With being your child, as we bind ourselves to you and you bind yourself to us. Father, we thank you today that as you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, and Lord, I know that you're speaking by your Spirit right now, that that you are proclaiming freedom over everyone in this place right now, And, and some people in particular, you were saying to them, be free be free, don't be bound anymore, be free, receive me, receive my spirit, receive my word, step out into the light, come out of the darkness, join me, don't be bound any longer. Lord, you're inviting them to step into a space that perhaps they've never been in before or maybe they have not been in for a long time. For all of those who've said yes to you, Lord, you're touching their hearts right now and you're saying it is for freedom that you've been set free. Don't submit again to slavery. You're encouraging all of us in that today, not to be bound, not to be caught up, not to be distracted, not to regress, not to go back to jail, but instead to be free, to be your children, to be your servants, Lord, As we bind ourselves to us, Lord, for speaking this word over us today, we say thank you and amen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, we've just got a few minutes and I'd like to invite you all now to stand. I'd like our prayer ministry team to come to the front and I'd like to look to our team out the front as well now to. Just spend a little bit of time reflecting on the freedom that Jesus is offering to everyone here today. And as we worship, I want to offer you the opportunity to come to, come to the front to receive prayer, really about anything. But especially if there's something that relates to what we've spoken about today whether it's for you or for someone else. Don't miss this opportunity to be prayed for by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this opportunity to experience your freedom today. Maybe that's a step that you've never taken or maybe it's a step that you need to have spoken over you again this morning. Whatever it is, let's make time to do that now as the team leads us. Come over to my left and let's pray for you now in Jesus' name as the team leads us. Folks, jump to your feet if you would. Uh, prayer ministry team come forward, and we just want to pray for everyone in this place who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You unravel me.